Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to our Big Time Talker podcast. Burke Allen here at our studios in Washington, D.C. The show brought to you by our buddies at SpeakerMatch.com. SpeakerMatch, the world's largest online virtual speakers bureau. And you may say to yourself, self, what does that mean exactly? Well, that means if you are a platform speaker and you're looking for places to speak, Speaker Match is for you. Maybe you're a meeting planner and you need speakers. Speaker Match is the place for you. Check it out, speakermatch.com. Hey, we have new episodes of the Big Time Talker every Tuesday at Spotify, Apple, iTunes, iHeart, wherever you download podcasts. So please subscribe and tell a friend and say only good things. Uh, David Ross is our guest today. He is the award-winning author of an interesting book called And Sometimes Why. David and I got a chance to tag up briefly down in Miami when he uh, walked across the stage and picked up his reader's favorite award for this book. He is uh, a teacher. He resides in New York State. And um, I will have to say that, David, this is in the first time on the Big Time Talker podcast, and we've done now over 300 episodes of this very program. The first time we have ever done an interview with an author who wrote a book about a letter of the alphabet. So you've got Thank that you. going for you. Yeah. You got Thank that you, going for Pleasure to be on. <laughs> this one, when I learned about this book, I just thought, well, I thought a bunch of things. The first thing I thought, frankly, was this David Ross guy's mind doesn't work like anybody else's mind. <laughs> To come up with the concept and the idea for this book, and sometimes why, which is sort of targeted towards kids, but there's there's a lot happening in this book, and I just think it's a cool concept. And I'm not sure if you can do this, but I'm going to ask you to give sort of the elevator pitch. You know, somebody walks up to you, uh, you know, at a bookstore and says, "Hey, what what is your book about? This this book about the letter Y? <laughs> How do you answer them? What do you say?" Sure. Oh, okay. Well, the premise is that. Um, X, a consonant, and O, a vowel, have a child Y, and each of the parents sort of has expectations that Y is going to be like them, and uh, they are disappointed because Y is neither uh, like a consonant or a vowel solely, and so when Y starts acting differently, um, everyone takes notice, the other letters take notice, and questions are raised, and the parents struggle a little bit with coming to terms with their child being different. So it's a book about diversity. And um, after a number of conversations, the parents finally realize, hey, why says, eh, sometimes I'm a vowel, sometimes I'm a consonant, you know, why not? And the parents finally get it, as do the other letters of the alphabet. So, so it is a simple story. Mm-hmm with complex undertones and mm. there's a lot of compassion in there. And, mm. and there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, affirmation of the letter Y. <laughs> so, um, and I teased you a little bit in the introduction about you, you <laughs> having a mind like no other, but where in the world did this idea, how did, how did this happen in your brain? What's going on up there? Was this a, a late night of Mexican food that made this happen? Uh, <laughs> if, if only it were that. Um, that's a good question. So it might not surprise you to find that I come from a neurodivergent family. Um, and uh, my wife took a strong interest in um, 
neurodivergence and what it entailed because um, of our sons having specific qualities. And, and people may not know what that term is. So go ahead and, and spell that out for us. Sure, sure. I think the simplest way of describing it is, in fact, that all of us think differently. We have our different areas where um, our comfort zones, where we function better and other areas possibly where it's it's not a... Uh, we have more difficulty making sense as we see others do. Okay. That's what I'm describing. So um, I'm a teacher. Um, I teach English as a second language. And so some of my students are very visual. Their comfort zone is I write on the board and they copy. And other students are audio. And so they want me to repeat things. And I think that that's true of everybody is we just sure. have different aptitudes. And so um, when, back to your question, is um, I, well, my interest in grammar and whatnot made um, go the letter Y a go-to for this. But um, I was interested in just how we represent diversity and how we work with it. So um, was there also, a eureka moment where you said, that's it, I'm going to use the alphabet? Yeah, yeah. I I like the way it fell into place. It suddenly like, oh, this is this is bigger than it appears is probably, you know, when you talk about diversity, um, is it's sometimes it's difficult to distill it in a in a way that young kids can get, and I thought that this was sort of speaking that language with them. Like people might understand that, seeing as it's taught in second grade, third grade, you know, is is um, young children might be exposed to that, but they might not be able to see some of the deeper implications or it as a metaphor, for example. You know? How old are the kids that you teach English as a second language to? Um, my students are, um, ninth grade to 12th grade. And so because we get refugees in, they could be anywhere from 14 to 20. So a pretty wide range. That sounds like, um, it can be a very satisfying job when you mm. see the light bulb go off. Mm. You have those very kind much. of moments. Oh yeah. So much so. And, um, I often get asked, well, how do you do it if you speak English? And in our school, they speak 45 different languages. And so um, it is it's fascinating to see everyone go from their own separate ways of thinking to be able to communicate in class in English. It's wonderful. Yeah. David Ross is our guest today. The book is And Sometimes Why. It's a reader's favorite award winner and has received uh, 5.0, five stars in, in reviews and not only an award winner, a gold medal award winner, because it says something that's that's pretty different and interesting. And and would you say that that part of your goal was to sort of get this into the hands of kids and moms and dads and and schools that that want to get behind diversity? Is that sort mm -hmm. of the the secret evil plan behind the cute little book about the alphabet? Shh, shh. A secret. <laughs> um well, the secret's out now, I guess. Okay. Yep. We blew <laughs> so, it. So, um, yeah, I um, I really want to foster dialogue, um, and I think that a lot of times younger people need to be exposed to more basic ideas, basic in the sense of fundamental, um, when they're still receptive. You know, a lot of times, um, I think that what happens is. Older people understand ideas sometimes in a, in a more abstract fashion. We're accustomed to working in abstractions. And younger kids feel things often more deeply. 
You know, I, my sons are very empathetic. They just want to root for the underdog, almost not knowing what the issues are because they, they feel before they think sometimes, right? So I wanted to give a context in which this dialogue could flourish and that people could say, like, why, why is, well, it's hard to sometimes use language. Why is why being isolated or, <laughs> right? So, um, yes, very much so. Um, and to that end, actually, what I did was I, um, rewrote the book as a play to be performed in elementary school. Um, and I was lucky to have someone uh, run the play and it, it came off nicely and also showed me how ways could become better. So when you uh, when you were putting this whole thing together, you you had to have a visual component and hmm. you had to have an illustrator. Yeah. And I read on your website that that you know, you didn't go to, uh, you know, illustrators or us down on the corner there in upstate New York. <laughs> You've got a guy who's halfway around the world. Mm. Is it Romania? Is that right? That's exactly right. Yes. Very How does that even work? How does an author tag up with an illustrator in Romania? Because I'm guessing you're not hopping on an airplane every other weekend to make this all happen. Is it all done on Zoom? Did you Have you ever met the illustrator? It's fascinating. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um well, my wife is Romanian, so that, that puts us closer, right? And in fact, the book that I wrote before this one, which was called Yenta Claus, um, was illustrated by a friend of her cousin, who's an artist. Okay. And um, that illustrator is married to the illustrator who wrote, who illustrated and sometimes why. Gotcha. Their own art company, um, a graphic design company called uh, Editura Intaglio wonderful people and the nuts and bolts of um, being able to collaborate from afar uh, have never been easier i mean look where you are and here we are in the same you room. See. Yeah. yeah yeah so um but it does take a certain kind of preparation uh i would certainly do it again so I, I guess it helps with your wife being romanian so the language barrier is gone would he send you what would you say okay i want it to kind of look like this and then he would send you artwork back and you would go, ah, this isn't exactly that. And, and yeah. is that sort of thing. He, um, and he would also provide some insight into how he thought things might be laid out. So we moved from um, my initial vision was a little bit more um, on the nose, so to speak. And so we moved to the idea that as why was changing and be finding new forms of self-expression, we moved towards different fonts and different colors as a means to get in, to show growth, because otherwise um, I did not want it to be anthropomorphized where why would have eyes and a nose and, you know, silly stuff. And I didn't want that. So it's harder to work with that. It was, it's a very um, austere format actually. So he was really good in bringing it to life. Um, yeah, I guess you're right. If you don't have the, the eyes and the nose, it's tougher to show emotion and it's tougher to do right. all kinds of stuff, but you did not want that. Why, why was that? in your mind is something that you didn't want to uh, have happen. Um, I wanted something just a touch more elegant. Um, and um, at that point, I thought that the dialogue was um, easily accessible to the reader. And so I didn't want it to seem comic. I wanted it to have that certain resonance that would elicit more and deeper emotions. So. I um David Ross is our guest today, by the way, on on the Big Time Talker podcast. The book is called And Sometimes Why. It's a gold medal award winner uh, from Reader's Favorite. Really cool, interesting concept. Um, I have a, a good friend here in, in Washington, D.C., David, who runs a 
diversity and inclusion company. Mm. And as someone who knows nothing about that business, I was fascinated to learn from her that somewhere along the way, the words diversity and inclusion became almost dirty words. It was mm. like, it's kind of a bad thing. And right, right. I, I, don't understand that. And and I wonder if your insight as someone who works in a school system where you said kids speak 45 different languages and you've got, sounds like the United Nations of your high school right there. Feels like it. <laughs> is, is, uh, is, is the old saw that we have more in common than the you know, more that brings us together than the more that separates us? Is, is that true? And, and what's your thought on, on how diversity has become a hmm. dirty word? That, that, thank you. So that's, I find that a fascinating question as well. Um, my insight derives from the word tolerance. And so um, in speaking about the book and in speaking with my wife and other people about, um, you know, is our goal tolerance? And I moved from that to embracing diversity. I think that's a much more... Um, holistic, heartful, you know, a felt sense. And I think that the easiest way to see why uh, critics of some of these terms feel the way they do is possibly some, if you look at the word tolerance and then you move towards, does anyone want to be tolerated? Put up with? Yeah, right. I'm going to put up with that shirt. No, no. (laughs) I don't, (laughs) maybe others do. So embrace to me speaks more to, um, how we need to really uh, accept other people um, in a, again, a, a more heartfelt manner, not just tolerate them. And, and when you see these kids at your school who come from all mm-hmm. corners of the globe mm-hmm. and have these different cultural traditions, you, you know, you want to, I think, protect some of that culture and some of that heritage and history. Mm-hmm. But when you see them come together, uh, are there commonalities? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And what's it take uh, to get there? Yeah. Okay. Well, one of the interesting things just in um, a a working sense is that if I am teaching them English, um, I certainly don't want them to lose their first languages. Right. And so if, if in fact they continue to study their native languages, they're developing skills that transfer more easily into their learning of English anyway. So it's a win-win situation. You continue studying your native language. That's great. That's how you keep your culture and your, your language alive. But it also helps you develop linguistic skills. So um, it we come together recognizing that um, we're using English because it's, <laughs> I don't know if we can still say lingua franca because it's, uh, it's a touch outdated at this point, but um we come together because this is what allows us to commun- communicate. And then we go home and we spread that and share that with our families. So it takes that kind of understanding on, on the parts of the students as well. And um, because they have a whole lot of not only sympathy, but empathy for one another, they, it, the classes are actually a pleasure. You know, people are happy to work together. David Ross is our guest today. He's the award-winning author of the children's book, In Theory, Sometimes Why, and in and Sometimes Why. It's a picture book for kids in elementary school that helps demonstrate sort of the concept of diversity. And, and you've got uh, a mom and a dad or a constant and a vowel, and out pops Baby Y. And as Baby Y gets older, 
why becomes more why like right <laughs> and, and, and things get a little muddy there um you, you talked about and you used a term that i frankly was not familiar with the, the neurodivergent family um how tough is it for the whys of the world mm-hmm. especially in, in, you know when there's students um in 2024 is it is it better now than it was 50 years ago is it uh, mm-hmm. Is it maybe not better because you have all the aspects of social media bullying and every individual over the age of 10 has a cell phone and things can happen lickety split. Mm-hmm. What's your vantage point as an educator and an author who's really dialed into this world? Right. Um, well, I believe that most of us have felt different in at some time. Oh, and sure. so, right. I think that's a common human experience, right? So I think that, um, that unfortunately in my classes, I see that people are not necessarily seeking out um, contact with others directly as much as through mediated forms. Um, And so I don't, you know, I I like to see people smile and I like to interact with people. So um, having a screen between me and them, despite the fact that you and I are sharing that it's, it's, it's good for some things is um, I, if I have someone next to me, I would sooner talk to them than go and on a phone. Yep. So those skills, it's, it's amazing how many implications you can draw from that. But um, maybe, maybe the silver lining is that it's easier to seek out people who you feel akin to. So if you feel that you're different, um, there must be people in the world who or feel different in the same way. <laughs> and so maybe it's allows access to um, subcultures in ways that people weren't able to do before. You and I like to talk one-on-one in person and we're old school that way, but maybe there's something to, to still be said for that. Right. Right. <laughs> Agreed. David, the um, let me, let me take the opposite tact here a little bit and, and have you speak to that. There are all kinds of people in the world mm. Um who would say, look, you do you, but don't shove you on me. Mm-hmm. And what would you, David Ross, award-winning author, David Ross, <laughs> say to that? Um, I have to hearken back to a teacher that I had in high school. Um, I was fortunate to take a philosophy class. And on the wall was a poster that has stuck with me for these many years. Um, and it said, your right to swing your arm ends at the tip of my nose. And, um, I've, I've loved that. And it's, I find that nowadays, you know, there's something that's easy to understand about that, except now that what, um, what happens if someone's playing their music really loudly, where's the tip of my nose, right? Yeah, Yeah. And so, um, I think that when we embrace tolerance, Excuse me, when we embrace diversity. Um, <laughs> yeah, you see, there we go. Is it? Uh-huh. <laughs> when we embrace diversity, we um, it, it draws upon us, requires us to be empathetic. And um, at least understanding that other people have different wants and needs. And I, I don't think that there's a, a, a hard rule for that, because I think that we have too many contexts in which we're called upon to act differently and recognize other people acting differently, but, um, it's a challenge that, you know, people need to be made aware of. Like it's important to take that one on. So that's you self published this book. Um, and I wonder if that was 
a choice because you wanted to get it out there? Did or did publishers were they skittish about it? Tell me about that choice to self-publish the book. Well, publishing the publishing world. Um, I had a previous experience with a publisher who um, wasn't forthcoming about some of the aspects of the books that we published. I co-authored it this time instead of had someone illustrate it, and so it it was harder to accomplish what I wanted to than I thought was necessary. And so I figured I would put it out there, see who was interested. And then I expected that if it got the kind of attention I was hoping for, then a publisher would want to back it because we want to get it into the hands of um, anyone who wants to promote, you know, embracing diversity. I figured there would be publishers who would be interested in that. So working on that this was a way to get it out there and yeah. get people interested um have you shared it i'm just curious with with the guidance counselor or librarians at at any schools and what kind of feedback do you get yes i have and positive you know it's it's really sweet to go into my school library and see my book there it's uh it's, it's nice <laughs> i like that well you know one would think that that folks who are school counselors especially are going to run into issues like uh, like why has in your book mm. and, and having something that they can put in front of, of those kids would make sense. And yet we do occasionally hear about books that are somewhat controversial, even in today's world being yanked off bookshelves. So mm -hmm. is that, is that a fear for you that, that uh, this might be a, a bridge too far for some people? Um, no, on the contrary, actually it's a bit of a spur. Um, in that, um, so I am in New York and we don't have the same, um, when I say we is generally speaking, there's, it's, there's a bit more understanding of this difference and especially in my school. And so sometimes I think, well, maybe there are other parts of the country that I should send a thousand books to, and I don't know, drop them out of planes. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about you, Montana, keep your eyes up. <laughs> so but um, it, yeah, yeah, it's um, the cover of the book, which shows an image of why also is on a, a rainbow background. And so um, the book has been embraced by the LGBTQ um, plus community. And so um, I was very interested in uh, or having people find themselves in the book. And so I was looking at diversity at a, a, a broader level. But um, it made me happy to think that people would be, uh, that that community would find themselves in it. And it also made me aware that, back to your question, is there might be people who that would rub the wrong way. And um, hopefully they'll come around to seeing that you know, diversity is something that makes communities and uh, that nature is built on diversity, makes us all stronger. You know, it's interesting you said that because I wanted to talk to you about within the, the world of diversity and inclusion, if in your mind you had a specific subset mm -hmm. uh, of folks, because diversity means a lot of different things to a lot of different people because we're all very different. You know, as a, mm -hmm. as a kid growing up in the coal fields of, of Appalachia, there were lots of Eastern European immigrants mm -hmm. uh, all around me. And I remember all the horrible derogatory terms that people used every mm -hmm. day about you know, the little Hungarian kid down the street or the Polish kid or the Italian kid right? Uh, or the African-American kid, African-American kid. And as I got older, 
the same thing that would happen for the gay kid or the the whatever. So was there a a, a subset that you visualized when you wrote this story and sometimes why? Or were you trying to make this a very inclusive book about inclusion? Yes. <laughs> the you put it very nicely there. So um I feel fortunate in that um, selecting the alphabet um, was abstract enough that it allowed for any number of different interpretations. Got to read into it what you want. Yeah, yeah, and it, um, it because of that, it's it seems less like I have an agenda, um, which um, I I'm willing to say that I do have an agenda if if embracing diversity is framed that way, but it wasn't specific to any. Um, subculture group of people. Um, so my touch points were neurodivergent people. Um, and then because my students are diverse uh, culturally, linguistically, ethnically, um, that was also a, a reference point. Um, and then um, LGBTQ is also in my mind when I did it. And it seemed like, wait, this, this relates to everybody. Anyone who has felt that I want to be who I am. And for some, whatever reason, people are not listening to me the way I want to be heard is I thought that they would not only find themselves in the book and resonate with it, but that it would be a means of possibly um, supporting, giving voice to that difference and honoring it. You know? Let's wrap up with this. There's, there's likely someone who's listening right now to this podcast who um may feel different or may have someone in their family who's different mm. um and you talked about you and your wife and and your sons and you're in a neurodivergent family and you introduced that term to our our listeners today um in broad strokes david is someone who, who wrote the book on the subject right and and you're involved in diversity every day in school what would you tell that listener who is dealing with that and, and maybe it's not going well and maybe there's some friction there. What would you say to that person? Um, continue to try to make yourself heard. And, and when you have difficulty reaching someone is ask them to listen with empathy is just to, to put it out there and say um, in some place where you're isolated from any specific issues possibly is just, offer your own perspective and and have them recognize that this is where I'm coming from. So to keep, keep being you, you know, is uh, that's the simplest way I could put it. I think that's great advice. And, and for the person who has a why in their social group, whether it's their family or their, their friend group, or maybe not in their friend group because they are different. What would you tell that person? Um, yeah, I, my my take on that is is possibly to start from the inside is to recognize how um, you yourself, I myself, am different, and I want to be honored for who I am. And no surprise that other people feel the same way. So listen with compassion um, for everyone else trying to be themselves. So I'm going to put it out there, David. Uh, I've got lots of friends of all stripes in the political spectrum. Some of them are not going to like this, but I love this book. I love what you did with it. <laughs> I think you. it is very deserving of the gold medal. And I think, uh, as Rodney King once said, why can't we all just get along? So Great. kudos to you and congratulations on all your success. Thank you so much, Burke. What a pleasure to speak with you. 
That's my buddy David Ross. He's an award-winning author, and you can check him out online. Uh, the book is available everywhere. You just got to ask for it. Um, it's the And Sometimes Why book. And cleverly enough, you can find it at andsometimeswhybook.com. David Ross is the author, and he is a gold medal award winner. Hey, thank you for listening today. Sure appreciate you being here. Fresh episodes of the Big Time Talker podcast are available for your consumption every Tuesday right here and on all your favorite podcast platforms. Thanks so much to SpeakerMatch.com for sponsoring the show. Now go out and make it a great day. Bye, everybody. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.